What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Martin, with Intuitive Minds Podcast. This is episode 32. And today's guest, we have a special one, Premium Pete from the Premium Pete Show. How are you today? What's up, man? How's everything? Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Thank you for being here. Everything's, you know, good. Trying to keep it a day at a time with this COVID and all this going on around. So how about you, man? How are you handling it? Man, just trying to maintain, you know, obviously in the beginning, you know, when it just started with the COVID, it was kind of like, yo, is this thing real? Like, mm-hmm. what's going on? You know, you start seeing, like, uh, something shuts down for a day or two or two days or, you know, as it started to unravel, it was kind of insane. You know, it's like you think about it. I always think about things like that from being from New York. Like, mm-hmm. 9-11 was very tragic for us. And, yeah. you know, I lost a couple of friends. And I lost, you know, and, and, and I have friends that lost their fathers. So, you know, it's tragic. But when you think about it, and not that I'm uh, low-balling or trying to, uh, you know, Look at it this way, but you have to understand only three about three thousand people died, and it changed the way we lived. It changed the way we traveled. You know, it changed the way everything. Like you know, a lot of things changed from nine, you know, nine eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you think you know we're looking at almost a hundred and sixty, seventy thousand people died. Like man, it's like it's, it's just a tough like, time, man. It's overwhelming. Yeah, it's, like a, it's, it's almost like a, 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 a we have a wake up call, like nine eleven. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's definitely it's it's definitely a wake up call because keep in mind, when have you or your parents or anybody who's listening, their cousins, the next door neighbor, like when has people sat like this? Mm-hmm. Like I'm not that old. I'm still a young dude. I mean, I may I may have been around for a minute. But, like, yo, I remember when we were growing up, like, yo, like, I used to wait by my mother's door, like, if it's snowing out, listen to the radio to see if school was closed. School was rarely ever closed. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're a kid right now, like, yo, you got the biggest vacation. I mean, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, but it's, um, I don't know, I guess what I'm trying to say is is a lot of us and a lot of people in this world have been affected. Some mm-hmm. have died, which is sad, and, you know, we want to send our prayers out to, you know, those and their families. Mm-hmm. But more importantly... The problem is, is that like a lot of people were affected financially and creatively. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just important for us to take a look at like what happened and, 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 and you know, try to plan better for a rainy day, try to learn from it and, and, and try to just be thankful for what we have. Sometimes I feel like we live in a world too many people complain too much. Yeah. And I get it. You may not be where you want to be. Well, you know, put in a little bit of extra work and, you know, takes time, man. And if you put in, you know, more work, maybe you got to put in more work. And it's tough. But, you know, just be thankful for even being alive. And I know that may sound corny and cliche, but it's true. Yeah, no, it, it certainly is, especially for me, because I came from Albania here like 20 years ago. And so being a foreigner as well, coming in, transitioning from a third world country and then coming to, to the suburbs right away and then kind of having to adjust as well, it was very tough. So even for foreigners, they come here to have a dream. And then, like you said, a lot of people take shit for granted. So people that are born here, I look at them sometimes and I'm like, yo, you are, why are you so lazy? You know, you, you were born here. You had the chance to better yourself from the get-go. I had to come from a third world country, had to learn everything from the get-go, and I'm chasing something bigger. You see what I mean? So Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's sad. It's sad that it's like that sometimes, but particularly in New York, too, you know, it's like, you know, it happens like that. You know, you can't, you know, people like that's why I always, you know, sometimes I'll tweet like, stop complaining, start creating, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like, you know, it, it, ain't nobody listen to that shit, but people pay attention to some stuff you create. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, just, just instead of complaining, just, just start creating. 
You know, if you don't like something, then do it. Do something your way. Yeah. You know, especially now you have more. You have more time. You have technology. Back then, like you said, you had to do a lot more to get to creative. So to be creative. So nowadays, you have all these tools in front of you. But uh, break down on who uh, Premium Pete is and where you're from and how you got started in the in the industry. Man, well, you know that's a that's a tough uh, uh, question because um, when I look back, I say to myself, God, I've been involved in so many different buckets and so many different things, you know. But yeah, I, I would say, you know, Premium Pete is a is a dude who, you know, grew up in Brooklyn, you know, uh, somebody who was interested in, in 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 you know, kind of like keeping myself busy and creating things and failing and and getting back up and doing it again to try to make it right you know um you know i grew up in i grew up in brooklyn i grew up in you know it's funny my grandfather owned the go-karts uh down in um coney island so i grew up down there you know when i grew up my parents didn't have a lot of money you know the italian americans came over you know it's like you know my grandparents came over from italy so it's like you know they didn't have a lot of money but they owned the go-karts and then you know it's funny i used to tell people that like they all they did was own like this like lot in Coney Island that had go karts, you know. So it wasn't like it was like some, you know. Uh, um, but you know, Coney Island is, is is legendary. So we grew up there. I I stayed there till I was about twelve, thirteen years old, and then I moved into Bensonhurst, which was insanely, you know, uh, crazy because you know if anybody has watched most recently, they they you know I know they uh, had a documentary on uh, Yusuf Hawkins who got killed in Bensonhurst. And I think they depicted a great uh, uh, analogy of how tense the, the, the you know, the white and, and, and the black wars were at that time. And it's actually insane. When I look at it, that shit bothers me because mm-hmm. that, that, that was something that never stuck to me. You know, I never became a product of my environment when I moved to Bensonhurst. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm glad I didn't. And, and it shows me who I am today, you know, somebody who broke the chains and change the style of anything that people could want. You know, I, I, I used to say this shit all the time on the Combat Jack show. Mm-hmm. I remember when I, when I grew up in Coney Island, I had a bunch of different friends and, and, you know, that I, you know, that I had in uh, school. And when I moved over to Bensonhurst, there, I never forget, there was like these guys that come over to like, Hey Pete, you know, you can't have those guys over here. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand what they meant, you know, yeah. cause those guys were guys I just hung out with. We played Coleco Vision, Atari, you know what I'm saying? All this mm-hmm. shit, Sega Genesis, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yo, it's just us hanging out. Right. So, you know, it, it was a very weird time. And it saddens me that I'm talking about this time and we're still kind of in this time. Yeah. You know? Not a lot has changed. But, you know, I'm glad. I'm just thankful that I'm a type of kid that I was able to um, see the bigger picture, not be influenced by people who 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 were possibly influenced by people who were dumb. Right. And I and the reason why I say dumb is because just stubborn, closed-minded people mm-hmm. who listened to their grandfather and never understood why. Like I remember I used to tell, I used to hear people say like, "Oh, I don't like black people. I don't like this people. I don't like these right. type of." Yeah. And you would ask them why. Like, mm-hmm. oh, like if you ever like really like why, like, like why? Why don't you like them? You right. know. And if you press them hard enough, people would be like, "I don't know, man. I just don't like them." They're like, "Why?" Yeah. Like you know, and 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 I'm so glad that, like I said. You know, I was able to, you know, transition in my life and not be stuck in that type of, uh, you know, style. It never appealed to me. What appealed to me was always just being who I was and being pure. And and, and again, like growing up, you know, growing up as a kid, like growing up in Brooklyn, 
and loving hip hop for a white kid, Italian kid, you know, like, yo, I, li- I lived it. I loved it. I believed in it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, but then I would be called like a wigger. Like I'm trying yeah. to be black, you know? So I, you know, as I'm older and, and, and I have the honor to be friends with like people like LL and Chuck D and yeah. Ice T and, and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and et cetera. And I'm like, yo, these kids don't understand. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yo, people I grew up with, like, that I'm friends with now that I could call friends. Like, it's like, that's from purity mm-hmm. and, and, and things that like people like who would say you're trying to be black. Now nah, I'm trying to be, like, I, like, I give you an example. When I was getting a haircut right. back in the day, I was highly influenced by Big Daddy Kane. Nice. And I asked the barber to give me three cuts in my eyebrow. Oh, and I remember the barber saying, what are you trying to be black? And I was like, no, nah, I'm trying to be like Kane. And, 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 you know, that's how much they influenced me. But yeah, I mean, it's a lot, it's kind of hard to, you know, the question you answered X is, 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 is a good one, but it's very hard because when the hell do I stop explaining who the hell premium Pete is? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, you know, uh, but yeah, there's many different moments of my life, you know what yeah. I mean? But yeah, that's, you know, feel free to take it wherever you want to go. But yeah, yeah that's, not, that, yeah, that's I mean, my teenage years. You, know? you grew up. It, and this is my favorite. And I, I, I wished I lived in, in, in America in the 90s in New York City, because I feel like that time was prime hip hop. It was a golden age of hip hop, New York and L.A. And, you know, that whole and it was the whole uh, just the whole style of it, just the whole vibe of everything. And then the, obviously the mafia, the mob movies I was so influenced by as well. So, there's a so lot of- yeah, so, so special. So very special. So that's an, and growing up to growing up in Albania as well. So the way I look at New York is it's like a third world attitude, but with money. The attitude is the same. That's why a lot of people when I when I when I went to school in Virginia, they're like, "Are you from New York?" I'm like, "No," because I, I gave that city vibe. I gave that that uh, that attitude vibe, and they're like, "No." But then I'm like, "Why are people comparing it to that?" And then. I started listening to hip hop. I got I got into Nas. I got into Jay Z. I got into Guru, uh, Big Daddy Kane. I got into Tribe Called Quest, and then I got drawn into the New York lifestyle of the '90s. And I was like, "Holy crap!" So now you growing up in that era, and you also having to grow up quickly because obviously in New York City, you walk out of the door, you see five million things in one go. You know, you see crackheads here, you see uh, uh, businessmen over here, so you see two different things. Growing up in the '90s, your first uh, job was a paper route. Give us that. Yeah, paper boy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's right, paper boy. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, well, first of all, man, damn, you bring me back by even thinking about that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's it's, you know, to take it back for a second, when you said like growing up, I'm like, you know, like, you, you know, New York back then, it was so flashy, so so right. so. So addictive, mm-hmm. the lifestyle. Like, you know, I remember growing up, man. I would see gangsters like, you know, pulling up in beautiful Cadillacs with like mm-hmm. black and gold emblems and white wall tires, and mm-hmm. then I see drug dealers like on a corner or like, like I was mesmerized. I'm not gonna lie to you, bro. You know, uh, yeah. I'm not gonna lie to you. I was, you know, I, I I wanted to be like that. You know, yeah. I I, I really did. Like I really, you know, like I I really wanted to. I was. You know, my father, and I love him so much. I'm so glad he's still around and I'm able to, you know, enjoy the later years with him. But my father was always like this, like, very calm, cool, collective business guy, you know. And I, I guess I was always appealed by the the parents who were more, um, 
my, my, my dad, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. I always wanted to, you know, kind of like him to be more of like, you know, a tougher guy or, 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 but he was more of a straightforward guy. And, you know, now I respect it, you know, it's like, but when I was growing up, I was very mesmerized by that, but yeah, a paper route was, uh, you know, my first job, you know, it's, it's, it, it was something that like, you know, I needed, uh, to make money because I want to buy sneakers. Mm -hmm. And the only way I could do that is if I had a job. So like, my parents would go half with me, you know? That must you know? Obviously, growing up as you got older, you got into certain things in the streets that, you know, that led you to being incarcerated for a little bit. And then you came out and then you started doing early, like role model, like a program. Elaborate a little bit of that on the program. Yeah, so, you know, just from being in the streets and, you know, being mesmerized by all that, you know, I really I really wanted to, you know, find myself. I think that was a problem I was having when I was young. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I kept on finding myself getting in trouble. You know, I got put into a group home at an early age, man. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you know, I was messing with drugs and shit like that, like just weed and maybe like some acid and mushrooms and shit like right. that. But then it like, then like I started to like, you know, was starting to like just, you know you could sell some weed and it was easy to make a couple of bucks and right. you know i started to get into like you know just 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 get, get into trouble mm -hmm. and i found myself in a group home and and it was an experience man i actually stayed there for almost 15 months and 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 i wound up graduating from that program and really trying to just help other people and and you know let them know like oh you know you could do this. And I actually did that a couple of times throughout my life when I think about it. Then later on, I did well. And, and then I got locked up later on in my life and yeah. for trying to make a quick buck. And I never forget, I went back and like, that was like the last time, I mean, that I ever said I'm getting in trouble. And, and I remember going back to, to the jail then too, later on in my life and speaking multiple times and speaking to the people in there. Like, and, 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 and at that time, I garnered more success at that time. Right. Meaning, like you know, I came home and I was involved in like streetwear and 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 in stores, you know, sneaker stores, and you know, I had a lot of friends, and you know, I brought different athletes to the jail, you know what I mean? Different, you know, rappers I would bring with me, and and to be honest with you, I would tell them like, yo, like a year ago I was in the seat you're in, you could come home and you could change your life, you could do what you know, you could do whatever you want, right. like there's nothing in here, like. Like sometimes you gotta explain to kids who are used to going to jail or, or in jail, like yo, there's nothing in here that's worth coming back. Right. Do like you, you did your you, what you had to do. You do your time, come home, and never come back. You know what I mean? And then transition to that, you went to Wall Street for, for a little bit. You went to Nebula yeah, yeah, in the Wall first Street. time. Yep, in the first time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I worked in I worked in uh, I worked in Wall Street, and uh, you know, it's 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 uh, it was a great moment because it was like you know, it, I didn't have a lot of jobs growing up. You know, I had mm -hmm. like. The paper route. I did work in like a shopping center. Um, it's called War Bombs. You know, it was like a shop, right? Or like a, a Kroger's. Or where are you from? L.A. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm from I'm from uh, Albania, but I came here in Virginia like 20 years ago. So Virginia I has what stores out there? Like shopping stores, like Kroger's or or uh, what do they have? A stop and they, shop? No, no. They have like made like the mainstream corporate stores because it's like very corporate here. So you have like the okay. Yeah, you don't have like the yeah. No, you didn't. But I'm sure they have like Trader Joe's and uh, yeah, 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 like yeah. Whole Foods and shit. Yeah, but yeah, I didn't have, right. we didn't have that back then. But similar yeah. to that, I guess I'm mm -hmm. saying, you know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, man, you know, it's a it's a process for sure. But uh, what was I saying? I don't want to lose my mind. For the we were talking about the Wall Street. Oh, experience. Wall Street. 
Mm-hmm. Wall Street, yeah. So when I came home, the first time when I went to the group home, it was like a treatment program mm-hmm. and a group home together. And when I went there, my father, uh, when I came home, I told him I wanted to like work with him. And he's like, ah, you can't work with me. But I knew a couple of people and I got like a job in the mailroom. I just started in the mailroom. And then mm-hmm. I actually made my way up to like trading some commodities and really doing well. So I was there for a couple of years. You know, I worked in Prudential. I worked in Merrill Lynch. I worked in Mitsubishi. I worked. I worked in a lot of, and I and I liked that. I really did. I liked the whole atmosphere of the fast pace, quick pace. You know, I was that guy. You know, sometimes like I give example, like like yesterday, like I was on like fucking like thirty phone calls. Like that's my life. Like I'll be on the phone like with with all different people. Like a lot of things I do is not just like I don't only do podcasting, right? So a lot of things yeah. I do, I work with a lot of brands, and we do like partnerships and. We do content creation and we do like collaborations. I'll help them with, I'll, you know, I advise a lot of food brands as well. Mm-hmm. But the point I'm trying to make is like, I found myself on the phone, like a lot of times, sometimes I'm on the phone all day, like, you know, talking to this person, you know, strategizing this, that. And mm-hmm. it makes me think back to what we're talking about now to the days of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Literally used to hold two phones in your ear, one on one mm-hmm. side with the court, you know, mm-hmm. like, hello, how are you? Yes. How much is that? Okay. Yeah. And Okay. Flip, okay. Sell, sell. Yeah. So I remember and I'm like, damn, I guess I built myself up, you know, from the ground up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you don't realize that the things you do at an early age set you up, you know, for later on in your life and what goes on. Mm-hmm. And then 9-11 happened and that's you went through a tough time. Elaborate a little bit on your trials and tribulations on that time and experience and how you bounced back. Yeah, yeah, bouncing back. Well, well, well unfortunately, I bounced underneath at the time, because what happened was, uh, you know, 9-11 came, really shocked the world, particularly even New York, you know, and, and, and dealing with that loss and damage and things that were going on and losing people that I knew, you know, it was hurtful. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then, you know, what happens when that happens, same thing that happened now, a lot of people started losing their jobs. Mm-hmm. A lot of people got laid off, um, you know, and things were crazy. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Got laid off and, you know, right away, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. You start hanging out again and, and you know, it was real bad because, what you know, it, I thought that maybe I'd make a quick buck. You know, I was into gambling at the time and, you know, I was getting myself into a, a lot of messes and I tried to make a quick buck to get myself out and I found myself in trouble again. And that, and that was when I told you that was the time where I went back and after I finished and, you know, I finished my whole time and went back and like spoke so many times as a keynote speaker um, mm-hmm. to a lot of people, just, 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 just trying to, just trying to let them know that like, yo, you made a mistake, but like, you know, like just do your time and you come home and, you know, you don't ever have to come back here. So, you know, yeah, 9-11 was tough, man. It, you know, it made me make a wrong decision and you have to live with your decisions. The only thing that I grew now versus you know, young, my younger years is I don't look at it like as a fuck up. I mean, yeah, I made a lot of mistakes. I didn't make a lot of right choices, Right. but um, I wish I would have looked at it as a lesson to learn from it instead of a lesson that I'm a failure, you know? Right. Yeah. Which is where a lot of people tend to beat themselves down. And then that's where like suicide happens and all of that. So it, it, it can weigh down on you in many different ways. And on the lighter note now, New York city, 90s golden age hip-hop who are your favorite top mcs growing up in that era i mean the first person uh that i'm thinking of um honestly is 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 you know and i've said this so many times but 
that really drew me in was KRS-One. And, you know, I remember one of my first cars and I had a little system in there, maybe like two tens, mm-hmm. uh, uh, an amp, you know what I mean? Like, and, and you know, I, I was listening to um, Love's Gonna Get You. And mm-hmm. it really depicted to me, I mean, LL, MC Shan were big for me back then. Chub Rock, I loved, you mm-hmm. know, I loved, you know, I loved, um, you know, Tone Loke even, you know, like I loved all the... You know, I, I mean, I just, I just, but my first, I would say KRS is like my first, I, you know, Slick Rick and KRS, I would say, you know. Mm-hmm. What are some of your favorite songs from them or bars from them that stick out to you for the day? Uh, Slick Rick would be Children's Story. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, I'm going to go out and say like Slick Rick is one of the best storytellers in hip hop. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of storytellers in hip hop, but I think like this is one, this is like one of the goats of it, man. And if you don't believe it, not meaning you, anybody listening, uh, go back and listen, go back and listen. Children's story, you know what I mean? You know, I mean, it, I mean, Slick Rick was an amazing storyteller. Yeah. So I would say Children's Story was big for me. And, and with KRS was Love's Gonna Get You. You know, that was uh, something that I think we could still relate to, to today. It was about materialistic things, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, I always use this one line. He says, uh, a, bo- uh, a boy named Rob is chilling in a Benz mm-hmm. in front of my building with the rest of his friends. I give him a pound. Well, I mean, I shake his hand. He's a neighborhood drug dealer, my man, you know? Mm-hmm. And then he'll say, hold on, let me see if I remember what. I go upstairs and ki- uh, hug my mother, or kiss my sister and punch my brother. I sit down on my couch to watch some TV. And he hit, do my ears deceive me? Nope, that's the fourth time this week another fast brother shot dead in the street, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, he, you know, just like, you know, he, I, in the beginning, he was like, yo, that word love, man, is very serious, you know? Cause it's like, he's talking about materialistic things. Right. Like, mm-hmm. Love's gonna get you. So yeah, it's one of my favorite tracks. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean that's, that's when I first came here, the first, pe- the first MCs that I heard were like Nas, uh, and uh, Guru, and then being that from Virginia, and at that time, coming to Virginia, the clips were coming up. So Pharrell was coming up. So Pharrell was one of them. But something about the 90s hip-hop that drew me more, you know what I mean? That, that my top five MCs became Big L, Big Pun, Nas, Guru, and then Jadakiss, and then Beanie Siegel, and you went on and on and on. So, And then I used to sit there and watch BT's Top 25 Countdown. And that's how I learned hip hop through music videos. And I could tell you that uh, what's that? What's that group? Naughty by Nature's original name was going to be New Style, you know. And uh-huh, then uh-huh. I could tell you that Biggie had a had a different had a different name before Biggie or or Notorious B.I.G. I think it was like Style. It was like uh, MC MC something, but it was completely different from Biggie or Biggie Smalls. It was like little things I picked up and. It just it just drew me, and then I started becoming I started doing music production. So if you heard my music production, it's very '90s New York bias. It's just very so. And then Big L, of course, Big L is also one of my top favorite. His his lyrics completely drew me in with the. It's just the funny pockets he had, you know. So that that was pretty much my introduction to hip hop. And till this day, I, I still go back to it. So. It's, it's beautiful to remember those moments. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful, you know, mm-hmm. because it was so special. And it doesn't matter if you're young or old, you know, a new person may, you know, a, a younger person may say a uh, little baby or the baby or, mm-hmm. or um, you know, somebody may say Lupe, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's what's special about it because it's the mm-hmm. moments and memories that you shared and that you remember and that you take with you for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I was, I'm, I'm 31 right now. So I was like 15, 14 at the time. And everybody was listening to like Dipset and all that. But I'm like, I want to listen to their favorite rappers. Why did they become rappers? Why did Cameron become a rapper? I want to listen to who they learned from. You know what I mean? The Absolutely. So, so and every, whenever I used to feel like, whenever a music, a music video would come out, I would always automatically just feel out the history of it. Of like, oh, this rapper did this and and then my friends would be like, yo, can you stop? But because I was so into it, you know what I mean? It's just it's something about it. So, you know, love it. Love it. Absolutely. No, I agree with you for sure. Mm-hmm. And then mob movies, you obviously have interviewed people from the Sopranos as well. What are some of your favorite top mob movies? Well, it was Goodfellas, hands down. Mm-hmm. Um, so ahead of its time. Just a real tremendous movie that depicted, you know, I think sometimes, especially for being Italian, you, you think like some of these movies going to come out, it's going to be like a cardboard gangster, fugazi type thing. Mm-hmm. And Goodfellas really was so ahead of its time and so interesting and, and, and something I still watch today and quote, you know, I have friends that we quote so many lines from that movie mm-hmm. still, to, still today. So, you know, mm-hmm. Goodfellas, I would say. Is some uh, here's a lot of my favorites in no particular order. Goodfellas, A Bronx Tale, Donnie Brasco, Casino, Reservoir Dogs, um, you know, Bronx Tale, um, you know, I mean, Godfather 2 and well, Godfather 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you want to bring it back like a classic, I'll say Once Upon a Time in America. That's a great see that that movie right there specifically does not get talked about that much unless yeah. you are from New York and yeah. The- Reason why I love that movie so much is because it reminded me of and my friends in Albania, running around, going neighborhood to neighborhood, uh, playing soccer one on one, getting into fights. Like who was the best neighborhood in that in that area? So it it just reminded me of, of that. So it just doesn't get talked about. And there's so many great actors in that movie too. You have Robert De Niro, you have uh, James Woods, Joe yep. Pesci. It's just so many different different. And then you mentioned Donnie Brasco. That's another one of my favorite, favorite movies. I mean, that's, that's still, the hi- I mean, just the history of the mob itself. That's another thing that I was hooked on is the mafia history. Like uh, the Sopranos, for example, the, the therapy part came from Costello. Costello used yeah, to yeah. therapy. And not yeah. a lot of people know that. So it's like, oh, shit. Yeah, Costello used to go to therapy. And then his therapist used to tell you to mingle with businessmen more instead of mingling with these mobsters. And so. Yeah, so like those two, and that's that's another thing that people understand is like the mafia built most of America. They it built most of New York too. The concrete, who owned it, Castellano. So there's a lot of things that the mafia had an influence, which is why Americans love mob movies, and that's why Scorsese does it in a way where everybody can enjoy it. You know, which is a beautiful thing. So now the Sopranos. What is your favorite? like season of the sopranos that you can remember man that's a great question i'm gonna say season three yeah i'm gonna say season three is my favorite you know i'm a big fan of the pine barons i'm a big fan of the the when the fiorio came on and the brothel scene the sopranos is another one that you know like you know it was like a super bowl sunday every sunday when it was on it was like ran home for it you know ordered food for it you know couldn't wait till next week for it yeah. and it was one of those again where I thought, like, yo, is this going to be one of those Fugazi cardboard gangsters? Like, hey, yo, how you doing over there? Mm-hmm. And it was it was real. It felt real. It was special. Mm-hmm. I mean, James Gandolfini, who thought? I mean, what, the way he played, rest in peace. I mean, 
I mean, what a what a party played. I mean, you know, from everything from the the breathing heavy to the to the facial remarks. I mean, you know, and that's another thing. Just like hip hop, that I feel very blessed that I grew up loving, you know, hip hop. Grew up loving mob movies, and then to like sit here and and be able to call certain people friends. Right. It's unmanageable to me. You know, sometimes people always worry about money, 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 money. Success comes in a lot of different layers, man. Mm-hmm. Just peel mm-hmm. off one that, you know, that you like and try to hold on to it, man. You know? mm-hmm. What was it like interviewing the the Soprano uh, actors? Well, the good, you know, the, 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 the beautiful thing about it, you know, I'm, you know, I met a couple of guys who were really super fans of the Sopranos and uh, I joined them and we, you know, put together, you know, along with it, this, this was their idea. And, you know, we all helped kind of bring it to life with Sopranos con and, and, you know, it's been a pleasure to work with them. You know, I'm a, I'm a board member on, uh, you know, with them and, and, you know, it's like, you know, I've, I mean, I've sat, I met so many, you know, uh, you know, I mean, you know, I have, I mean, he's not in the best shape, but you know, the, the, to go to, I went to Paulie Walnut's house, you know, Tony mm-hmm. Sirico, you know, mm-hmm. I grew, I, I sat with him, chilled with him. Uh, then I did an interview with him, you know, Fiorio, you know, is, is a partner in, in the Sopranos con, uh, mm-hmm. Federico Casaluccio is his real name. I mean, you know, he's a great guy. I mean, he's just great guys, you know, that mm-hmm. I became friends with. So, you know, I, you know, I respect their craft and they respect mine. So, but I would say, you know, it's something that a, a younger version of myself is kind of like, you know, laughing at, like, is this real? Because, again, like I said, people only look for money to be real, but you can't take that with you, so you try to enjoy the moments while you have while you're here, you know? It's, it's, yeah, it's like you, it, it, it's called network equals network. You want to be able to build first with people, relationships, and then the money comes next, because once you build with people, the creativity comes in, and, it, again, it's, like you said, money is another it's another issue but that comes later on so which is a lot of people fail to see so how much of these in these characters do you that you watch how much of these characters can you relate to how much can you relate a lot to? a lot i mean a lot i think that they did that well enough where you can relate to mm-hmm. to you know each of these characters so you know i wouldn't say i have like a pinpoint one but it's a great question. I, I, and, and I, I would say a lot, I think in more ways than other, a lot of people, if you think about it, you could relate to some similarities from these soprano, you know, characters. Mm-hmm. That's how good they were made up, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, and then you mentioned later uh, and earlier that you had a love for sneakers and then you also became the go-to guy for Drake and Michael Douglas. So elaborate on the love for sneakers and how you got involved in that. I've always just, you know, goes back to the paper paper route days, you know, trying to get a pair of Jordans, you know. Back then, the Jordan 1, when it just came out, it's like there were no, like, blogs or lines. You know, like, you weren't worried if they were going to sell out. You know, you were worried of how you could get the money to buy them. You know, I just was a young kid that was just addicted to sneakers and really just, you know, followed that format of, like, rock and stock, and I was buying two pairs when people were buying one, if you're lucky, mm-hmm. you know, when I started hustling and stuff, I used to buy tons of pairs and, you know, like we really made some noise in that world and, and kind of like supported that sneaker world. And, you know, to be known as like an older OG of that world is a, a special thing now, you know, but uh, I was always, you know, like, you know, I'm always, you know, like it was like unheard of, you know, I had like 500, you know, a thousand pairs of sneakers. People were like, what? 
Like, what are you talking about? It doesn't even sound right. But that, you know, when you're addicted to something and Mm. it becomes a hobby and becomes a a way of life and, Mm. you know, staying fresh and being fresh are two different things, man. You know, it's like, how long can you be fresh? And, you know, and then and then a lot of these sneakers started to have like meanings behind it. So it was even more of like fun to collect them. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, but yeah, you know, and then I got involved in sneaker stores. And yeah, I serviced way more people than that, man. I mean. I met Drake through Tiana Taylor when he was still on Degrassi. And I used to get him everything, you know. And, you know, people died for a pug back then. It's different than it is now. But I, I handled everybody. Darrell Revis, you know, Troy Murphy, all the big golfers, Kelly Ripper, Wayne Brady, Drake, Nicki Minaj, you know, Vanessa Carlton. You know, uh, um, I mean, I could keep on going on. Every type of star you believe in, you know, I met and either you know, uh, sold sneakers to or, or, or X versa did sell sneakers to and are still friends to today. You know, mm. like that's another thing too. People don't realize like you can, you know, sometimes people meet people, they feel like, no, they have ulterior motives. I don't have that. Right. That's why some of my friendships are still lasting until today. Mm. You know, you check on people, you say, well, you know, you, you, you care, you know, you don't just like, yo, I can't, I don't, I don't got nothing to get out of this dude. I'll never hit him. Okay, well, right. you, you know that's that's selfish. It's, what is what is your favorite uh, sneaker of all time? Uh, it's become a normal for a lot of other people, but you know, uh, you know, it is what it is, and I got to stick to it. It's the black cement Jordan Three. Um, that's my favorite. My favorite sneaker of all time. First time you ever seen an air bubble on a Jordan? You know, got the tongue. You know, you know the tongue featured the Jump, Jump Man logo, and mm-hmm. you know Nike Air in the back and the elephant mm-hmm. print. I, I was, I was, I never owned a pair, never owned a pair of Jordans, but I had a friend who, like you said, you collect them, you start collecting them and your whole room becomes full of Jordans. This whole closet was completely full of Jordans. And he would teach me the game. Like, this is how you can tell a fake from a real. And this is like, and he would sometimes get got too. Like, cause Jordan grew up so, grew, uh, the Jordan brand grew so big to where even the fake ones started looking like real ones. So it became a really tricky game as well. Did you ever have to deal with something like that at all? Or? Yeah, I mean, you know, but I was so knowledgeable in it. I mean, at one point in time, now it's very tough. At one point in time, I could figure a fake out, you know, with my eyes closed mm-hmm. just by feeling it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was so embedded into that game. And, you know, you got older and I said to myself, you know, you start walking by. I know this is, this is the only thing that's crazy when you get older. You start realizing certain things, mm-hmm. you know. And what I mean by that is like, you know, I would see a homeless person. I'd be like, you know, like, what do I need? You know, 800 pairs of sneakers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't feel the same as I felt when I was young. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, I mean, now it's like almost, it's very much hard, you know, hard to figure out fakes. They became, they start making them so good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you so. have to look at the, you have to look at the palm. Uh, if he's, if he has the five fingers at the palm, if he doesn't, it's fake. Or, there's a lot, of, like the jumpman is not inside the soul. It's, it's, there's a lot of things to it. And he would just get into it. And I was like, wow, these people are actually like, because he spent hundreds of, hundreds of uh, dollars on it. So it's like, no wonder they have to be into it. I would see this absolutely three hundred dollars on a pair of J's. I'm like, yo, that's two three hundred dollars could have gone on the bill, and you're over there complaining about credit cards. So it's like, yeah, it's tough, man. You know, I guess, but you know, when you're young, you live your life. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you make your mistakes, and then you hopefully uh, could clean some, some, you know, clean some of them up, and mm-hmm. and try to just make better choices. And I'm not trying to sound corny, 
you know, if anyone's listening, sometimes the most cliche things are the corniest. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to tell you, like, like I give example. I, I didn't. I waited so later in my life to work on to build my credit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, and, and and you know, it's like I don't know. I if, I really would have loved to start working on it earlier. To be honest, you mm-hmm. know, you know, because like what it could do for you. I mean, look, I built my credit up so much later in my life. You know, my daughter wanted a car. I was able to co-sign for her. You know, I get her co-sign a credit card, help her build her credit. Mm-hmm. It's like, yo, because I understand people. I used to think like only cash, 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 cash. Right. I remember mm-hmm. I used to have like a stack of cash around me and girls were like, oh my God, you got so much money. And in my mind, I never told them like, yeah, this is everything I have. Like, it's <laughs> all my money. You know what I mean? yeah. I'm just walking around with this whole 3740, you know? Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, it's like, it, it is what it is, man. It's like when you get older, you realize credit helps. I mean, so tremendously, mm-hmm. you know? Buying property, buying anything. And yep, nothing, yep. Nothing's more important than property. People need houses to live in. And then through sneakers, you ended up meeting Bun B. And then with him, you created a, you got to eat this. Yes. How did that come about? So just our love for food. You know, somebody actually asked me that the other day. Uh, first of all, Bun Bun B as a rapper has always been one, somebody with a great cadence, a great voice. Mm-hmm. But I want to say this, uh, one of the best people I know in my life, um, mm-hmm. you know, just a heartfelt dude. Um, I seen him help people, you know, that he didn't have to. I seen him, you know, he's a supporter, you know, he's just, he's just a real good dude, man. Like he's, a, he's, I, I really don't know how else to put it. Like, but you know, when you talk about people supporting people, that's him, you know? So, you know, we, uh, we would always, uh, you know, we became friends through sneakers. We had a, a, a both of, you know, we both had respect for each other, mm-hmm. you know, in, you know, in, 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 in our respective worlds, you know? Yeah, man. You know, we, we, we used to like, he was on the road a lot. I was on the road and we used to always talk about different food and, you know, I he was traveling internationally. He'd be like, yo, I'm going to Sweden tomorrow. I'm going to get Sweden, Swedish meatballs. And I was like, oh, that's pretty flexy. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and then one day we said, hey, this is years ago. We said we should start a, a blog and just like feature like the best dishes and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, spot from around the world. And mm-hmm. we did it and, it and it was great. And we partnered up with Complex and, and, and we had a lot of stories and we got pitched TV shows that were bad deals and we turned them down and we never, it never happened. But we, you know, and the Instagram page is big, you know, like we work with a, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy to say we worked with like uh, Oreo and Sriracha and Sweet Baby Ray's and Kingsford Cole. And, you know, we did a lot of campaigns with people, helping them create content and manage stuff. And we also did a sneaker together. We did the sushi with you and we sold out one day. So yeah, Bun is a, a dear friend and mm-hmm. you got to eat this is just another animal of how much we love food and mm-hmm. we display it to the world and you know we have so many contributors from across the world so i'm thankful you know people mm-hmm. never heard of it you know make sure to go check it out uh, i promise you it'll make you hungry you know yeah, it's amazing yeah i mean you got to respect and it's also that southern hospitality too that bun yeah, yeah 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 that's yeah. that's, uh, that's something i didn't un- that's something i didn't really understand until I started meeting a lot of dudes, uh, but some of the best dudes, you know, are from the South, man. You know, just yeah. real good people. You know, they're not hating. They're only, they're, you know, they're only, um, you know, they only want to help. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing, man. You know? And then, and then you moved on to Rest in Peace Combat Jack. 
started working with them. Oh my God, man. So many, so many men, you're going over, uh, the life journey. It's actually, uh, you know, that, I mean, um, that's, that's what this, that, that's funny. You said that that's what this uh, show is about is about bringing you way back to the things that you forgot about, because I do my research. That's the thing of course. Yeah. I, I can tell. Respect it. It's just, uh, <laughs> beautiful times, man. You know, I, I miss him every day, you know, Dallas Penn, shouts to Dallas Penn, Dallas Penn, um, you know, introduced me to combat, brought me on the combat Jack show and I never left, you know? So that was, uh, some, some crazy time, you know, where, you know, we, I mean, we, you know, we think about it sometimes, you know, I'm a pretty humble guy, you know, I, you know, we made history with that thing, man. And, 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 and it's sometimes overwhelming, you know, when I think about it, to be honest with you, you know, what are some, what are some things you remember, some good memories with combat Jack and some advice that he left? Man, he left a lot of advice for me. Uh, there's a couple of moments that, you know, I'll always remember him by, you know, just, you know, believe, you know, not being afraid to transition into different things. That was something that always stuck with me. You know, just because, you know, you didn't do it before, it doesn't mean you can't. And he used to always, like, you know, encourage that. Because, you know, it's like, keep in mind, it's like, you know, he went from lawyer to podcaster. Yeah. And the point I'm making is some people, like, you know, who, you know, I had, I remember growing up, I had people tell me, like, when I started doing the podcast with Combat, they used to tell me, like, yo, you're, you're not a radio guy. Like, you don't, what are you doing? You know, you don't, you, don't, you know, you never did radio. So, so if I would have listened to him, I would have uh, never, you know, never done that. Never been part of that legacy. So. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously you would, you took that and you created your own show, Premium Pete Show. And yeah, which... that was the uh, aftermath, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I did that. I was able to put my own spin on it. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I learned a lot with combat and I'm thankful for my time with him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And with the premium Pete show, Mm -hmm. I was literally able to, uh, you know, do what I wanted and bring on people from, you know, the walks of life I wanted to talk to. So, you know, you weren't afraid to try it too. You said, fuck it. I'm gonna do it. It it can be done. Yeah. No, you know, it's uh, it was scary, but I says, yo, it's either I do it or I don't. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I had such a great fan base from the Combat Jack show. You know, they inspired me. They're like, yo, you know, we want to hear from you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think people just think like, oh, you know, the two people tell them, like, that's the only thing I don't like. Sometimes people will be like, yo, I want to start a podcast. You know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. somebody will write that. But it was a big influence, you know, being on the Combat Jack show and, be, you know, having a chance to have my own show and really give a chance for people to learn something. So, you know, like I was just saying, you know, letting people take my episode in, not like, oh, it's premium P, premium P. Like, I never wanted people to only focus on me. I want them to be able to get something out of what I was doing. And I think that's what we did with the premium P show. So I'm thankful. And it was an honor to be able to have that chance. And I'm still, you know, thankful and humble and blessed. So, you know. Which is amazing. It's amazing to see it. And going back to Combat Show, he literally paved the way for a lot of podcasters that we listen to nowadays. So, which is an amazing to see that you're one of them. So it's great to see uh, uh, somebody that's that left uh, an imprint like that, and people are continuing to that legacy with their own creativity. You know, which is amazing to see. Do you have any advice you to give to new up and coming podcasters? Yeah. Uh, first of all, it's going to be tough in the beginning. Mm-hmm. but don't quit don't give up you know be creative you know do different things be inspired by a podcast or a podcaster but create different things mm-hmm. you know uh me- meaning like i would just say you know don't give up 
you know, it's going to get tough in the beginning. And, you know, maybe there's only a couple of listeners, but at least you have more listeners than you ever thought you would have. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, some people, I think what happens is, is that, you know, they want, right, you know, they, they look at a Joe Budding show or a Combat Jack show or a Premium Pete mm-hmm. show, and they're like, oh, it's not doing that numbers. I'm not doing anything right. No, like, these people took years to do that. Yeah. Don't don't compare them to you. And, you mm-hmm. know, I think that's what happens. People compare, and it gets very discouraging, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I would say don't compare, you know, create your own. And, mm-hmm. if, and, 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 it's, and it's so beautiful to be inspired, but try to put a twist or a turn on it. Um, I think that would be helpful. And, you know, consistency is everything. Sound is everything. And, Mm -hmm. and, and keep on transitioning, you know, don't get into podcasting thinking like, Oh, I want to do a podcast just like this. Think about what the podcast world will be in five, 10 to 10 years, come in and try to change it. Like we did. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's like, uh, it's like you said, it takes time to like, it took the Joe Bunn podcast to actually see, attraction three years in into their podcast. yeah yeah it took them a long time it took, took them a long time, time. so it, it took it, them a long time to get ads everything mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. and then when they got the spotify deal that's when they first started seeing the real back but that was five years in you see yeah, it's so crazy it's, when you take yeah it's, you know it, it's, it's 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 it just shows how patient they were you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they were able to do tours and they were able to do a bunch of stuff too with it so now, towards the end of the podcast, I do these 10 questions I got from James Lipton, who was the host of Inside the Actor Studios. What is your favorite word? My favorite word? Wow. Wow. That's, uh, that's a great question. I'm going to say smile. What is your least favorite word? Uh, hate. What turns you on? What turns me on? Yeah. Um... <laughs> Man, I would say what turns me on these days, I would say, is working towards my goals, working towards turning some of my dreams into reality. What turns you off? Bad vibes. Um, people complain too much. Expired food, you know, <laughs> and terrible pizza. So yeah, obviously a New Yorker can't handle a terrible pizza. Yeah. Especially you know. coming from Brooklyn. I feel I feel like Brooklyn pizza is the best pizza. And oh, yeah. I don't care what anybody says. You can take me to Queens, Harlem. I don't care. Brooklyn. Yeah. yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I don't know why. I just get along with Brooklyn people a lot. Even though I used to live in Harlem, you know, it's just a vibe. But anyways, what sound or noise do you love? What sound or noise do I love? It's mm-hmm. a good question. What sound or noise do I love? I would probably say the water. Like, I love the beach, like the water, like when the waves come. Like, I love that. You know, I feel peacefulness like that, you know? What sound or noise do you hate? Man, I would probably say, like, you know, like screeching. You know what I mean? Like chalkboard type shit, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. What is your favorite curse word? Probably fuck um, or motherfucker or, or fucking. And the reason why I say that, is and I know some people don't like cursing, but there's so much emphasis on some things. Like, yo, did you ever have that fucking sandwich over there? Oh my mm-hmm. fucking god! Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, uh, like forget about it. Yeah, it's like forget about it. But forget about it's like instead of cursing, I'll just say forget yeah. about it. You know? <laughs> yeah. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? You know, it's a good question. I mean, I'm in a lot of worlds. 
I don't think right now I would say I want to kind of go into any other profession. I mean, I guess maybe I would love to be, I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe I would love to be more, like, I wouldn't mind two things I think I should have done and I could have done, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them I probably will is I was going to be a stand-up comedian, but it was too late in my life. I just didn't want another like hustle, even though I had, the popularity to mm-hmm. like say have a fan base you know possibly especially because you know when you podcast people all over the world listen you get people yeah. come and come out it's different from starting from zero mm-hmm. um was a stand-up comedian and the two was maybe like a real estate agent i think i would have been a good real estate agent mm-hmm. you know what profession would you not like to do I, i'm not a really uh i've never been a construction person so you know i think i when i worked i had like two jobs that I lasted like a day or two on because I just couldn't carry like all those cement bags, you know? I was just always like a smaller kid. As I grew older, I got like more lo- like paws, but more longer and taller. And, but I was never that, you know, I was never that guy, never that construction guy. I never was like, you know, I've always worked with like my paws, but my mouth and my mind, you know, I never worked like, you know. Mm-hmm. And nothing against that. There's some, of the, there's some of the most creative people, you know, I know, but it just wasn't me. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Red or white, I would like him to tell me, as far as uh, a glass of wine. Any last words you'd like to give to the people? Any shout-outs? Yeah, I would just say, no, shout-outs. Just like, yo, thanks for having me on. Um, you know, I would suggest that people continue to listen to you and your deep-dive journeys of people's careers and lives. And, you know, it's special, and I think that, you know, Somebody could learn something from anybody. I guess I would leave them like that. Like, you never know who you could learn something from. Um, always keep an open mind. And don't be afraid to take that, you know, jump because, you know, there's a lot of success on that other side once you take that jump. And I would just say, you know, if you want something bad enough, just continue to work hard on it. And, 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 and you know, that's it, man. And, 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 you know, you get discouraged, get depressed. We all do. Um, stay focused. Try not to bother that up inside. And, uh, man, peace and blessings, man. And thanks for having me on again, you know. Being on. Thank you for being on. All right, guys. This was episode 32 of Intuitive Minds Podcast featuring Premium Pete. Peace. Peace. <laughs>